everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about the new comics that came out today. My uh, three pickups that I got today were for Excalibur, issue number one, Silver Surfer Black, issue number five, and Venom, issue number 19. So uh, let's jump right in. I'm just going to review them in the order that I read them, so you can guess that I uh, read Excalibur immediately when I got it. Uh, Super excited to read it, and it paid off. So uh, before we get started, I just want to let you all know that uh, I will be going over spoilers in all three of these issues. So um, if, if you want my brief thoughts on them, I loved all three of these issues. I would say my favorite of the three was Excalibur only because it's it's new it's fresh and uh, I'm just I'm really on an X-Men kick right now but uh, Silver Surfer Black was a close second uh, just because it wraps up everything in regards to it It as a five issue miniseries and because the art is is second to none and then uh, Venom very shortly behind both of those two it was still a really enjoyable issue as well it uh, I just keep getting these uh, these not vibes but each time it seems like people are talking about, oh no, this next Venom issue is crazy, guys. It's gonna, it's gonna make you go insane. And I haven't felt that yet. I, they're good. They're, don't get me wrong; these issues are good. If if not, they're amazing. But they just, they're not, they're not doing what the hype train is saying that they're gonna do. And that's not a bad thing. But we'll we'll get into it in more depth when we get to it. So that's my spoiler-free sort of review of the three of those comics. Let's jump right into Excalibur. So this book is by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe and color art by Eric Arcienega with letters by VCs Corey Petit, designs by Tom Muller, and uh, I just want to give a shout out to, it says on here, head of X, Jonathan Hickman. So Excalibur is now the third uh, book in the Dawn of X series and it's it's really just continuing this train each of these books so far coming out have just tossed more coal into the train to get it pumping and going further and further this it, it's got it's all the same it's it's in in a good way there are infographics in this book and a really really cool story and also honestly a great focus on a character that i know I know enough about to get by, but after reading this issue, there's still some things that I have questions on and I'm going to need to look into more because I've, I've not gotten good answers. And that's in regards to Betsy Braddock. So this book is about a, the more magical side, I would say of the X-Men, which is great. And I, I'm excited for that. This is, it seems like a sort of fairy tale in the same vein of like a Dungeons and Dragons sort of thing. The the issue opens up in Otherworld, which is uh, this other sort of plane of existence dimension for those of you who are fans of Captain Britain and the, um, the whole Captain Britain mythology, all of that stuff. You guys are probably really familiar with Otherworld. I am not. I've not read much about Captain Britain at all. I just know that he's a cool guy. And I think he was a playable character on uh, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I might be wrong, but I remember playing him in some video game. But yeah, so it opens up in Otherworld on Camelot, um, the big castle. And Morgan Le Fay is, she's trying to figure out, she's got this sort of... Um, like a, a looking pool, you know, those, it's like a pool that when you look into it or go into it, there's, there's magic and all this sort of stuff. And she, she can't get to it. She's, she's curious and trying to figure out 
she calls it her scrying pool, but she says the the pool is tainted. There's a bunch of weeds growing in the pool, and for those of you who have been following along with the promotional material for Excalibur, you'll know that that's Krakoa exerting its influence on all areas of life, and so she has this loyal knight that she basically shoves into the water, essentially trying to not drown him. He's kind of drowning, but saying, like, figure this out. Like, what is going on? Why are, you know, why, what is this weed that pollutes the kingdom of Camelot is what she says. And that's the beginning of this story. And um, a good story at that. This is uh, verse number one, the accolade of Betsy Braddock. So we get some great character development for her and for her brother Brian, who's Captain Britain. She is heading to Krakoa, and there's a, a gateway outside of her home at the Braddock Academy. And people are heading into it, the mutants. They're heading into their new life, which is just such a cool concept. They've been showing that. They show that in Marauders a little bit too. And I just love seeing all of the mutants now kind of going into one area, going into a place where they're welcomed and loved. And there's this sort of buildup of like, oh, you know, Betsy, this is going to be really good for you. And they mention it briefly, and this is where I get confused. So as far as I understand it, Betsy Braddock... Was, is Psylocke, and, and as, as we know, Psylocke is Betsy, Betsy Braddock, but what I think has come about in the last few years, or maybe it's even before that, again, I don't know this, I, I'm admitting this right now, I, I'm not familiar with this, and I, I already reached out to uh, Rob of the Comics Explained, I, I uh, added him on Twitter, asking if he's maybe made a video about this, or should make a video, because it seems like none of these comics fully explain it, but so Betsy Braddock, I guess was like controlling the mind or she was the mind of the Psylocke body. And at some point, and I'm, if correct, anyone, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was during the hunt for Wolverine, uh, mystery and Madripoor issues that we find out that they, they like get separated. So now you have, uh, Psylocke, who is is one person, and then you have Betsy Braddock, who is a completely different person. Sort of looks like Psylocke. She has a different look, same still purple hair, but um, it's they're two different people. And so my questions that I don't understand is like, how did that happen? Am I right? Was that when it happened? Because I remember reading it in that in that issue. But uh, I feel like it's deeper than that. And then who is Psylocke now? Because I'm pretty sure Psylocke is in the Fallen Angels series and goes by the name Quanin. And I am not familiar with who that is either. And honestly, guys, I love that. I love that I'm reading comics where there are so many characters that I know and love. And, and you get that with the X-Men where there's so many characters you know and love, but there's also characters that you don't know as well. And these books are doing a great job of fleshing them out. This is just a bit of backstory that I'm a little confused with. But so Brian kind of goes over that with him like, hey, you know, I think this is going to be really good for you. And um, he says, I know the adjustment hasn't been easy. I never thought I would see the Betsy I grew up with again. It's a rather unique situation and there isn't exactly a self-help book about it. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, and that's why I'm like, what, what happened? Like what kind of happened? And so, you know, she's like, oh, but I think you're really going to thrive on Krakoa. And she says, I hope it's nice. And he says, oh, I'm sure it'll practically be Ibiza. And she says, I wish Jamie could have seen it, which is their older brother, Jamie Madrock, who um, I guess is dead at this point. So come on, guys, he's not going to be dead, right? You know, Coco is bringing everyone back. And 
So she heads through the portal, and on the other side, it literally is like Ibiza. I've never been to Ibiza, but it, it, it is just a giant party, much like the end of X Men or of uh, House of X Six. They're just they're, there's a great, beautiful party. Everyone's having fun. Welcome home, Psylocke. She says, "I'd rather just you just call me Betsy for now." And then we get we get an interesting look at uh, Apocalypse's new sort of not persona, but he's he's taken in stride the idea that mutant mutant kind has made it and now he and he says it here but he's going by a new name and the name is i can't pronounce it it's just essentially the letter a surrounded by a bunch of kind of krokoan language and it's not there's no like letter for this it's just he says i prefer you'd call me a whatever this is and trinary said he's talking with trinary and she says sure i can pronounce that and it's like yeah she's probably the only one who can because everyone else in the book's always like you know oh i don't know how to say that name but yeah, so he says something like, for centuries we ran as though we hunted, and now we are dancing. And so it's just it's cool to see the X-Men get this much time to celebrate. We're getting the celebration in this book, in Marauders, in X-Men, in the House of X book, in Powers of Ten for a bit. It's just nice to finally see them get a reprieve. And so he is on the other side of this gateway that is connected to Avalon, connected to the other world, to Camelot. And he's try he's basically explaining that the um, the gate I guess doesn't it only opens from one side so like they can't get through it says well child it seems they've built a barrier wall against us they're like trying to get through he says we need a champion to breach it and so then we get some infographics about the the Krakoan grimoires along with some verses from the Akaba the coven Akaba like the and guys these I'm not even going to explain what's in these infographics because they are beyond me these are these are like witchcraft and a uh, coven related stuff that I don't think has any relation to anything in the in the past of the X-Men this is all fresh new information so check it out and dive into it because it's just and it does, it's not like it's it's not necessary. This Krakoan grimoire thing is just explaining that the X is superior than the circle. Like with a coven, the magic circle has been abolished as a weakness, requiring the hands of many magi at points on a line. The X as superior only requires four, which is an interesting concept. So, you know, like witches, you know, they gather around in a circle, all holding hands, whatever. With this X, you only have to do it with four people. And I'm sure we'll find out what that means later on. And then we get uh, a little bit of story in regards to some witches in uh, England. Morgan Le Fay shows up and she's like, hey, I gave you guys power. Like, you draw your power from Avalon, but I need you now. Like, I need you to figure out what this, this stuff is. Like, she is freaking out about this, guys. She's like, I do not know why there are weeds growing in my in my yard sort of thing and hey I get it I've got a ton of weeds in my yard and I have wasted so much time this year trying to get those weeds out so I I totally understand what Morgan is going through right now I or I guess her majesty because she is very clear that she does not want to be called that she wants to be called her majesty uh in the during this time period where you know she's the one who's ruling over camelot but so she's like hey you you guys need to figure this out or i'm gonna kill you essentially and and during this time you have no magic and because of this and they're like ah like we'll figure it out and so at the same time we just get again more character development for betsy but we find out jamie's alive so uh gold balls who now goes by egg that's his new name and betsy says uh well that's not going to stick but so they go they go to the hatching area and she's like hey he's like hey your brother 
he like he won't leave she said he says can you please do something he won't listen to any of us these pods are supposed to remain sterile and he's going to really gross stuff in there he's doing really gross stuff in there and she's like oh my god jamie you're back you're alive and he's he's clearly you know they left on a really bad note again i don't really follow the braddock family tree that much but I looked him up. He's got reality warping powers, and he has been an often enemy of uh, the X-Men and the uh, Captain Britain and the, what is it? I know they sort of say it in here, but I, what is it? Like the MI, it's not MI-13. It's something else, but it's like the Captain Britain Corps. And I'm, I'm going to kick myself once I remember it, but it's it's the group of all of the all of the, the Britons all over the world. And so she's trying to explain to him, like, hey, we need to take you to go see Brian. Like, Brian misses you. We sort of missed you. Like, you need, and he's like, I don't want to see him. Like, I, I've been given a new lease on life, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to do that. And uh, so she's like, he tidies the place up, thank God. And then he's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I don't want to see him again, basically. But so she, she like psychically wrecks him, basically. And he's like, okay, you know what? You're going to see him, sort of thing. But then she meets up with, uh, apocalypse who says the same thing he says ah a at whatever his name is actually a new evolution always primes us to take on a new name and she's like this really isn't a good time because she's trying to go get brian he's and it's funny the way that uh, teeny writes this it's like you know those there's the and I, I the first thing that comes to my mind is seinfeld there's just seinfeld always had a way of every single character like jerry george kramer and elaine always their stories in each episode, and it blew my mind. A show about nothing. These these characters, they all most of the time would have like a separate story, like that they're doing. But then somehow by the end of the episode, all of their stories would converge. Like something that George would do to make somebody upset would cause somebody cause that person to mess up Elaine's day, which caused it to like root. Like they they just somehow they were always connected. It was the coolest thing in the world. And so Teeny is doing a really good job in this issue of doing that exact same thing. Apocalypse is like, hey, I'm trying to. He says a Krakoan gate seems to be opened to us from the other world, not to it. Previous attempts to utilize the gate have failed. If we had a focal object, something that regularly traveled between such worlds, and she's like, so you mean like Captain Britain's amulet? And he says, I wouldn't advise separating the captain from the source of his power. You may bring him here. I assure you he won't be harmed. And he says, she's like, you know what? I'd love to, because she's literally going to get him to bring him here uh, to meet Jamie. So it was like, oh, you know, the perfect convergence. And so she goes back through the gate, meets up with Brian, but then they actually end up transporting to... Uh, to the other world themselves so they don't go through this gate so it kind of puts a wrench in apocalypse's plans and she shows this really cool thing which is krakoan costume technology so she puts on this cool new costume as does gambit and rogue and so what i thought also was cool we're getting a really great team that's uh, slowly being built up and the team looks to be betsy braddock apocalypse trinary Gambit and Rogue, who, again, have a beautiful full page. All it took was one page for them to uh, get amazing character development to the point of, when's the last time you heard Rogue say this to Gambit? What do you think about that third law? Make more mutants. and then, um, But then Trinary shows up and she's like, hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need you guys to come with me. Like, ah, dang it. But um, yeah, so they're clearly, you know, they I think they want to have a kid, which is kind of cool. That'd be cool to see in this comic. But they're on the team 
and uh, Jubilee is going to be on the team too. So what a cool group of, of characters. And um, so they, they break through to Captain Britain and uh, Betsy Braddock on the other side. From this portal there, you basically Apocalypse suggests to Rogue that she could use her powers to absorb some of the, um, I guess, some of the energies that are there. And so they're able to communicate to Betsy and say like, hey, you need to destroy this. You need to, uh, a massive amount of psionic energy will, will do it, but I'm stretching my limit speaking with you. And so she throws her psionic sword into the kind of pool of water and it explodes and at that same exact time these these like plants start growing from the the now broken portal and are growing all around rogue to the point where almost like sleeping beauty they've wrapped her all in this cocoon of sorts um she's not even really in a cocoon she's just kind of wrapped up and uh and now she's just asleep and so it's like whoa okay cool so she got taken off the table pretty quickly but i'm i'm just interested to see where that goes and i know based on some of the covers of the future uh, excalibur issues that that's definitely going to be dealt with but i'm just i'm all in on this series now after reading all this and so she shows up and uh and it was just great there's some uh just some great tension between gambit and apocalypse to the point where po- uh, gambit's like what you did this to her you did this to rogue and goes to i'm gonna kill you and and you know shoots a uh kinetic punch at him and he just catches his hand and he says then i will return like right because if you know no one can die anymore so i love the whole uh just uh, apocalypse is so cool but then yeah the last scene in it is uh Betsy shows back up and she's Captain Britain now. Like she was given the power of Captain Britain by her brother. He gives her the amulet even while Morgan Le Fay kind of turned him against her uh, just out of because, you know, he, he has a duty to serve her, I guess, because of uh, his position. And so I think he did his best to pass along freedom to Betsy to say like, hey, I'm stuck here's here's captain britain's power for you you become captain britain now and take over which is such a cool concept guys so i'm i would rather see betsy braddock now to know that there's a betsy braddock as captain britain and a psylocke still out there like i loved psylocke i thought her her uh her whole um what is it called like her character design is so cool i love the purple and so now we're getting a cool purple she's got a beautiful sword and then by the end of this there's a little epilogue with those witches where i guess one witch killed all the other witches she's like hey i didn't want to she's like i basically sacrificed you guys so that um so that i don't get sacrificed but she shows up to join the coven akaba which is really interesting because if i'm remembering right that has something to do with apocalypse so then like i said this last page is another infographic about the invocation of the gods from akaba so overall as you can probably surmise by uh this this uh, review this is a fantastical book it is it feels it's got that that magical feel to it and after i read it even i i listened to or watched a little marvel did like a little they do their little preview sort of hype train things where they have some of the writers and creators talk about their product and so it was one in regards to excalibur and teeny howard in it was saying that she wanted this to be like this is the the magic x-men book like the book about magic which i think is so cool because especially when you're putting out six different uh, titles uh, this quickly you've got to have ways to differentiate them and so i think marvel i really am 
kind of shocked that Marvel was able to pull something off like this so far. And hey, we've got we've still got three more left. Next week is New Mutants, and then also actually next week is New Mutants and X Force. If I'm if I'm correct, I was checking on the coming out next week. So we got two more plus Fallen Angels. So if they pull it off of all this, I'm gonna just say hats off to Marvel because they really are putting their care and time into this X-Men series to the point where I, like I said, I don't think I, it's been a long time since I've ever had this many books coming at the comic shop. Typically, I would just wait for Marvel Unlimited or I would get them from Midtown to save a little bit of money, but I got to read these right away. So that's why I've been getting them from the comic shop and, and hats off again to Marvel for making a great book such as this. I'm really excited to continue reading and see where it goes. Next up, Silver Surfer Black, issue number five. This is by Donnie Cates with art by Trad Moore and uh, colors by Dave Stewart with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, guys, I was not lying when I said that this is probably some of the best art that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I, It's just, you can't ask for this kind of art. It has to be given to you. Like you, I, I don't even think if I asked Trad more like, Hey, can you do something like what you did with silver surfer black? I don't know what he would do because this first, just the first page looks like a Picasso painting. And then the second pages, they just look like it's, it's, it's so hard to explain on a podcast just to say that this is the trippiest art that I've ever seen in my entire life on a comic in the absolute best way. I can't wait to get this treasury edition, the hardcover that's like, it's like 13 by nine. So it's a huge book. And it's, there's just scenes in here that are spectacular. And you know, the art is good when I enjoy the art more than the story. And at that point, though, I'm, I'm basically saying the art is a 10 and the story is a 9.5. Like it's, it's, it's insane. So this, this final one, we, we get Silver Surfer and it's, I'll say this too, guys, this is a complicated book because of the art, because of the concepts. It's, it's a very hard to understand book in a good way. I, I think it's open to interpretations. And so I'm going to try and, and figure this out. I looked up a couple reviews that honestly didn't help at all with uh, me scratching my head. But so essentially this book starts with he had, he kind of absorbed the light in that last book. He was like, I'm going to fight the darkness with the light. And at the end of this, he's like completely disassembled in the universe. And so he's sort of reassembling his body, trying to figure out who he is, what he means. And it's, I mean, there's a, there's a panel here that I'm looking at. Didn't even notice this panel is almost identical to like the last Jedi when Ray has a hundred copies of herself and is snapping and they're all going sort of thing. Uh, it's not, he's not doing that, but it's just, it's, it's his face over and over and over, but it's a weird looking face. It's like just his mouth. And then we get it. It's, it's interspersed with red, complete red of him dealing with null, dealing with the darkness. And then all of a sudden we get what we were looking for all to begin with, which is a giant, giant symbiote dragon with Null on it, holding his sword, charging at Silver Surfer, who is charging at him on his board, which eventually ends up getting transformed into his own cosmic sword. And they just fight and battle and this giant uh, explosions. And he eventually gets Ego, the living planet, in on it. And then by the end of this, he, the, the coolest thing about this was the message that it gives. So not the first message I would say is that art is amazing. You should love any type of art. That's the first message. The second message though, is you can't completely destroy the darkness. And I thought that this was a really powerful 
uh, a sort of powerful message that he has here, which is that if, um, let me see if I can find the exact same spot. Yeah, he, he's essentially, he says, uh, I spoke those words, like seemed like a millennia ago. And he's referencing actually the words that Stan Lee and Moebius had done in a prior Silver Surfer story. And those words were, if we turn from battle because there is little hope of victory, where then would valor be? And so he's kind of saying that about, you know, not giving up against Null, but he says, I spoke those words what seems like a millennia ago, but what I faced then is not what I face now. And while the sentiment remains true, the battle never ends. I know that I cannot stop Null, that the infant son that I have birthed in my la the last of my cosmic power will not kill him. No, he will return. I know that I cannot defeat the darkness, not forever, and so I do what I do now, not to win, but to balance the weapon I retrieved from designed for war or for harm. It's not like me or my creator, not a destroyer or a stone-faced witness of horror. It is the light that will burn those shadows away. My legacy, the infant life of the universe, forged into galactic seeds, drawn from the star stuff of a billion terrified worlds by ego's psychic call. He says, your past cannot be changed. Your shadow cannot be erased. You cannot defeat the dark, but you can find the light inside of you. Protect it. Keep it from harm. Care for it, for it will be fragile. And then when it is strong, share it. Give it away. Shine it down upon those who still trapped in the shadows. And in time, perhaps the brilliance of your light will outshine the void within. What a powerful message in a comic such as this. And the entire time that he's doing this, and this is where I was confused at what was going on, is he's putting these seeds, these galactic seeds, into dead planets to regrow the planets. And he says, there you are, Zen La. Like he's recreating his own planet at the dawn of time and multiple other planets? This is just, I like I said, whoa, 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 whoa. And then by the very end of this book, he, uh, he said he's completely black now. So he's, and there's a weird sort of chain flying in the background that looks like Thor's hammer. I don't know if that's uh, something like a, a secret, whatever. I have no idea, but he looks absolutely gorgeous. He's completely black, but he's got this sort of rainbow neon, the kind of thing that was on just his arm is his whole body now. So I'm really interested to see where Silver Surfer goes. But what I'm trying, what I wanted to touch on was that's just such a, it's a powerful statement because I think there's a, there's a, 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 a connotation with comics that they are 100% positive all the time, 100% black and white, good versus evil. And that initially was kind of how comics had got their start. But for the most part, these days, comics are so much more nuanced. And the medium and society is better for it, I would say, in that they, they acknowledge these sort of things. And this is a beautiful story for anybody, anybody out there who is struggling with some form of darkness, one way or another. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter what that darkness is. We all have something. Every one of us has some sort of little something that we don't like about ourselves, that we don't like about our lives, that is just, you know, isn't something in our lives that isn't going right. And it's, it's a beautiful message to say, you know, you can't, you can never beat it. Like, you know, just as an example for, you know, people who struggle with depression, uh, it's not, I don't think it's something that can be fully beat. 
It's something that you have to continuously work on. You have to care for it. You have to care for that happiness that you get, you know, on those on those days when you're feeling really good versus those days when you're, you know, not so feeling so good. You got to foster that. You have to grow it like a flame inside you. And then when you're feeling at your best, you share that with others. You spread that love. You spread that joy and do your best to kind of keep the void at bay because the void, as Robert Reynolds would tell you, the century, the void is always going to be there. There will always be a darkness. There will always be a night to the day, a black to the white. And you just have to do your best every single day. You have to you have to foster yourself. And whether, you know, again, whatever that is, it, it can be anything. I know all of you are probably going through something, but it's just the message in this book is so powerful in that that there's hope there to never give up and to never surrender to that darkness all the while knowing that you can never truly beat that darkness even somebody who is you know 40 years sober is still going to have you know little tinges of thoughts or of of you know someone and by by sobriety in terms of like drinking you know they they may still see alcohol and and have that little tinge in their head where they go ooh man a drink sounds really good right now but then they fight that they push that down they uh they keep the darkness at bay and so it like i said it's just a it's a really beautiful message about that and so i i would really encourage all of you if you haven't been reading this issue or this series again totally fine you know obviously you're not required to do so but in uh, i believe it's january january 2020 is when the silver surfer black treasury edition comes out i would highly recommend pre-ordering and purchasing that because uh like i said it's an extra it's a treasury size so it's it's extra big so you can really enjoy the art it's going to be 29.99 but if you pre-order it the right way i'm sure it's going to be a little cheaper than that i know midtown does 30 percent off and i'll give a quick plug to probably the best uh site if you're ever wanting to get graphic novels trade paperbacks hardcovers whatever it's cheapgraphicnovels.com sounds simple i know but i stumbled upon it one day when i literally just googled uh cheap graphic novels and uh that's the name of the website all their graphic novels are anywhere from 40 to 80 percent off and and so they um typically like right now they have sales going on on image com image ones so uh just for example they've got the sort of compendium editions of monstrous uh east of west and sex criminals those ones where it's like a um it's a bigger hardcover that contains maybe like 15 issues versus the 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 soft trades that are like five uh for 20 bucks uh which their msrp is 50 dollars. those ones are i believe they're 60 percent off it's like a 60 percent off sale and then they're also doing a it's like a wonder woman sale or something there's a there's a couple of sales going on they always have sales going on but for the most part regardless of these sales all of their comics are bar none 35 percent 35 to 40 percent off some of them are like 20 but those are like really rare ones but for the most part like you can get any so you could probably get the silver server black i think and I'll, I'll check actually for you guys while i'm doing it on this because like i said i really believe in this um this story and they're actually doing this for uh the history of the marvel universe as well which is a another one where the art is such a standout and something that just needs to be looked at in in a bigger light, bigger lens. So, um, so I've got it pulled up here, and it's actually so you can't. They, they used to do pre-orders. You can't do pre-orders anymore. But if you just get them when they come out, most of the time they don't sell out quite that quickly. 
but it is uh, $17.99, so it's actually, uh, what is that, $12 off, which is a pretty big good deal. The only downside to their site is their shipping is a little pricey. I think it's like $7, but that's because they, they really pack their stuff well. So my advice to you is whenever you're purchasing things from them, to uh, buy like in bulk because they don't charge any more for shipping than the, their main price, I don't think. But like I said, you can get just so many great um, great books on there for a really cheap price. And finally, we're going to be jumping to Venom, issue number 19. This is an absolute carnage tie-in. And this is by Donny Cates with art by Eben Coelho with color art by Rain Burrito and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And what's interesting about this, it was a great story. I really enjoyed it. But it's, it's falling behind absolute carnage. So, like, everything that happens in here happens directly after the, the prior issue of Venom. But these stories are taking place, like, this is, absolute carnage is, like, I don't know, two hours ahead of them in this series where, um, you know, Venom in Absolute Carnage right now has absorbed all the symbiotes and is trying to, is going to be fighting Carnage, what looks like in the skies or in space, whatever. And uh, this, that hasn't even happened yet in this story. So this story is actually more focused on Dylan, um, Eddie Brock's son. And uh, it's good though. It's really good. So again, we're getting, you get a couple pages of a recap in a sense. And then we get some cool, uh, cool fights with uh, Spider-Man and all of them who are fighting off the Maker right now. Spider-Man, Captain America, Wolverine, and Thing are fighting the Maker who has a bunch of symbiotes on him. But again, the main story is Dylan and Normie ran back in, and uh, Dylan is going is waking up Sleeper. He's letting him out. Sleeper, if you remember, is the uh, symbiote who's kind of, sort of formed a bond with Dylan, but hasn't hasn't bonded with him. And I was waiting for this moment, guys. I was waiting for this moment. He goes to start bonding with him and dylan's got the, those black sort of gray eyes again and i was like i thought that meant that he already had a symbiote in him or something i have no idea but sleeper won't bond with him he says get away from me and he says your mind i sensed i've never felt anything like that dylan what are you and he's like i don't know and so then they start fighting and uh sleeper he he uh he get he turns sleeper into a, a wolf and at the same time, Hawkeye shoots, uh, shows up, shoots the maker with a uh, sonic arrow and uh, ram rams a uh, jeep into him, which was awesome. But then Sleeper just jumps on him and starts doing some like weird stuff to him. And, and he's like, what are you doing? The maker says, and he says, wait, what is this? Are you tending to slobber me to death? Like he's got slobber all over him. And Dylan explains, Sleeper is capable of making any chemical from his body. So no, it's not slobber. It's napalm. And uh, Hawkeye whips up a fire arrow and says, metal, and shoots it. That, got, that is classic Donny Cates. And so the maker sort of escapes while he's being burned alive. He like slinks into the uh, the sewers. So I don't necessarily know if he still has tendrils. The the shadow makes it look like he does. But then at this point, you know, the, the battle's kind of over, over and Sleeper's next to him. And he's like, hey, don't ever do that again, Dylan. Controlling a living thing against his will is unethical. And uh, he's like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. In terms of he was controlling Sleeper, which is interesting. But Sleeper says the napalm was a good idea, though. He says, why a wolf, if I may ask? He says, you know, I don't know. I think it's because I saw Eddie do it with his symbiote. But uh, to be honest, I'm not really a dog person. And he says, I see. Well, then, perhaps this will suffice. And he turns into a cat. Guys, I have two cats. I'm a cat owner. I'm a cat lover. And I was really happy to see this. And he says, yeah, actually, I like that a lot. And then Eddie comes and gives him a hug. And that's the end of the issue is he gives him this big hug. 
And uh, But Sleeper says to him, he says, Dylan, I will be at your side through what is to come. I will protect you to the best of my ability, and I will never betray you. But I must ask one thing. When are you going to tell Eddie what you really are? And that's the end of the issue. I, uh, so like I said, it's it's a quicker issue. There's a little bit of recap. I, I'm more excited for what's to come in Venom than what's currently going on in Venom because Donny Cates is really doing a good job at pulling us along of like, okay, something is clearly going on with Dylan. Not only that, but Eddie clearly knows or is is needs to tell Dylan that he's his son because at this point, Dylan just thinks that he's Eddie's brother. And uh, so both of them now have a secret to share. And so hopefully this next issue, issue number 20, kind of puts that down and, and solves it before this Venom Island story comes up. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. And the art is great. Eben Coelho is a wonderful artist. He's he's uh, just as good as Ryan Stegman, though don't tell Stegman that. I He's kind of got more of a, a crisp quality than Stegman does. Stegman's a little grittier and uh, not a bad thing at all. But when you got Kyle Holtz doing the covers as well, you can't beat it. It's a great comic to pick up so that's going to do it for us today guys i I really enjoyed talking about these comics and uh i'm about to start recording the actually have to finish reading some of these but recording the halloween comic book club so for those of you that uh were listening uh way back when when i discussed it just another reminder I will be recording that, and that will be out tomorrow on Halloween, and that is a, uh, a Marvel Unlimited uh, sort of book club type thing where uh, I'm going to be discussing six Halloween stories that I found on Marvel Unlimited for this year's Halloween sort of issue. So again, they are Marvel Zombie, which is a 2018 uh, issue, Avengers Halloween Special, also from 2018, Marvel Zombies Halloween from 2012, Spider-Man The Short Halloween from 2009, Tomb of Dracula number one from 1972, and Werewolf by Night number one from 1972. So again, I will have that recorded and up tomorrow uh, for everyone to listen to. So I, I look forward to discussing that with you guys. And as always, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I hope you guys enjoy reading these comics. (laughs) 